I'm Miss W, and I'm a teacher. And I'm Mrs. B, and I'm a teacher. Teaching really is an art, but with our actual degrees and experience in schools, we have a BS in education. What happens in the classroom doesn't stay. It gets told right here, right now, today. What happens in the classroom doesn't stay. It gets told right here, right now, today. It's a BS in education. And welcome to BS in Education. This is episode five. Miss B, Yo. what BS did you experience this week? Um. Okay, so we got our school schedule finally Ooh. after, you know, much hemming and hawing by districts and whatnot. I get to go back to school on August 14th, but it's professional development. So August 14th through September 4th, I am in there Monday through Friday, eight to four, whatever the hours are, doing PD. My children and all the students start on September 8th. So there's like a three-week period. Wow. Yes. So it's not BS because I'm very excited to have this much PD because That's amazing. they're really going to prepare us for doing this. You know, some kids will be at home, some kids will be at school. So we need this amount of PD. I'm very happy about that. But the BS is what the bleep am I going to do with my kids for three weeks? I was just thinking the same thing. Because camps are, camps are not going to be um, open anymore. Like the one that I'm mainly thinking of will be closed because the school that hosts it is already going to be back in school by August 14th. So um, oh, I really insane. don't know what to do with my kids. I'm going to try to talk uh, the grandmas into trading off shifts right. and maybe sending my children away. But um, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with them. So now yeah. I have to make decisions. Ugh. Yeah. The worst. I'm glad they're doing that. That's one of the plans that they've proposed here mm -hmm. is for two solid weeks of PD yeah. and then a week of just meeting with parents and students Fabulous. and talking with them and seeing what's your plan and like a kind of offering yes. counseling and stuff if they're not sure what to do. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Oh God. I just awesome. felt That's super broadcast. Real, real pretty <laughs> verb. <laughs> I had Funyuns. You're such a lady. I, a lady. I had Funyuns and a Diet Coke about 30 minutes ago. So sorry about that. I love Funyuns. Um, Funyuns yeah, so it'll be good. But also I'm just kind of concerned about it. But I'm very happy that we're not start Because normally schools here start in mid-August. Right. So I'm very happy that they're pushing back the start date. Because we just, we all need a little breather, figure stuff out. What about you? What's That's your good. BS? Excise tax on cars. That sounds like something that... <laughs> grown-ups have to deal with <laughs> what is yeah. this yeah you know how you have to pay property taxes if you own a house sure. and you have to pay it every year even though you own the house yeah. you continue to pay the taxes on That's it how they get so you. they do the same thing here but with cars oh. since we have pretty good public transportation here it's uh -huh. like a punishment for you to own a car wow so so you have to and it's you know it's not terrible it's only like a hundred bucks however this year i just got the bill in the mail a couple days ago and it was like, yep, the tax on your car is $80. And then there's a $20 penalty for being late. Except for I didn't get the first one. So, but I looked at the date and it says that it was issued like right around the beginning of quarantine. So I'm certain that no one was in the whatever was there. office and it just didn't That's get mailed. That's heinous. But, but do I want to sit on the phone and, and argue? Deal, I mean, also, what am I doing? Exactly. I know, but so, it's the emotional stress of having to deal with a government employee yeah. over the phone. And it's not their exactly. fault. It's just a 
it's a terrible system. Um, that sucks. So I have a friend who lives in Colorado where there is really no public transportation because they're in the mm-hmm. middle of the fucking mountains. And Correct. over there, they have to pay a tax on the value of their car. So proportional to the value of their car. And so I want to say she drives a minivan. She's got three kids. She does. She has a minivan and it's relatively new. It's like $600 a year or something <gasps> insane like that. Blew my mind. That's I was like, awful. that is not okay. What the no. hell? Taxes. Oh. All right, en- enough complaining. Okay. Our last, I just listened to our last podcast. We complained editing. a we got, lot. We got, <laughs> we got real dark a we couple times. We got real dark. This too. is going to be, hey, today's going to be great because today is all about attributes of a great teacher. And yes. we're going to celebrate the things that make good teachers good. So the official learning objective is we will list attributes of an effective educator and rank them by importance to typify the ideal teacher. So oh, you sounded real smart. Man, I'm telling then. you, I can write an objective <laughs> for the board. Okay. So, you know, I was going through my head and thinking about all these character traits that I think are important for a good teacher. And then of course I consulted the Google search and mm-hmm. oh my gosh, if you type in qualities of a good teacher, you will get a thousand different lists and they all say a whole bunch of different things, but it kind of boils down to the same thing. So I looked at lists from the Washington Post, from uh, various universities, some parenting blogs, some teaching blogs. Pearson, the textbook company, has oh. has one. So because they, they want to know who will best follow their textbook and purchase their textbooks <laughs> for the next year. But no, I looked Was at... Was that one of their qualities? <laughs> Only like, uses yes. Pearson brand textbooks. Choosing a really high quality textbook that will align with your state test. Shut up, Pearson. No, but I looked at a whole ton of lists and then I kind of whittled it down to 10 qualities that seem to be pretty uh, consistent Consistent across the board, although they said different things. So what I would like to do is I would like to go through this list with you and talk about our personal strengths and weaknesses on this list. And we'll just, we'll see what comes up. We'll see what comes up. And then you, dear listener, if you are a teacher, you can go through this list. This can be your official list of things that you need to be good at. And if you're not good mm-hmm. at them, pick something to work on. Set a goal for yourself. We will get Heck to that yeah. in a second. Okay, you ready? Yeah. So the number one, I'm doing, I'm not going to do it counting down because I hate those. So the first thing that came up with pretty much everyone was establishing genuine relationships, which I feel like is a pretty standard thing. I mean, I can't think of a single time that I have not heard that you're supposed to have a good relationship. Yes. Yeah. And like work to make the good relationships. But I will say, and we talked about this last time, I think how it's kind of an old school of thought versus new school of thought where right. are you the aloof, distant taskmaster teacher who has incredible discipline in their classroom and a bunch of kids who are terrified? Or are you the more personable teacher who's more relatable to your kids? And I would say that it feels like our generation is trying to push towards the latter. Right. Like growing up, I can only think of maybe a couple of teachers I had in elementary school that I felt like I had a genuine relationship with. High school was a little bit better, but um, I don't remember a lot of great relationships with my elementary school teachers. I think I got lucky in elementary school. I think I had one teacher that was kind of not great, uh-huh. but the majority of them were were really pretty good. I had one Miss Batiste was, oh, she was fantastic. I actually went and observed her 
when I was working on my certification oh, how cool. a million years ago. It was. Really she neat. was really all about like community. Yeah. And the classroom, it's like it was its own little oh, village. Oh, I love that. So how do you how do you feel that you do as far as establishing relationships with your students? I feel like I'm pretty good at it because they typically like me off the bat because like my first days of school are very much about establishing routines and letting them know mm-hmm. the procedure for everything. And I'll give them the why for stuff too. So, you know, I put all the pencils here because what would happen if they were over here? And then the kids will be like, oh, well, if you put them over there, then we would have to pass through the library every time I might disturb people. And I'm like, yes, exactly. So I always try to like tie them into it. Like you're a genius. So they kind of buy into it more. And then there's always, and I'm always making jokes and being silly with them. And most of them like that, like it, there's a few kids and it's usually the ones who end up or who you would think of as the teacher's pets who originally are just kind of like, don't know what to do with me because I'm Uh, 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 just give me a list (laughs) of rules, please. She's too silly. I don't know. Or they'll be the ones who I'm like, please write your name on your paper. And they shoot the hand shoots up. Um, do you want me to use a pencil or can I use a mechanical pencil or do I put it? And I'm just like, they're the Hermione Granger yes. of the class. And I'm like, I don't care. Just write your name. And they're, they, that kind of freaks them out. But I figure mm-hmm. out kind of what makes them tick. And I'll talk about what makes a, what makes a good question. What, what's the kind of question that you could probably just figure out on your own. Um, mm-hmm. And then once they kind of figure out like the kind of things that I care to hear about, <laughs> they're fine right. after that. And then there's always that kid who just doesn't want anything to do with you. And then I make them my special project to like figure out what yes. makes them laugh or something they're interested in. And then I'll go in from there. But I love those little challenge kids. What about you? Yeah, I think I am very good at establishing relationships. I think it's a lot different when you're a classroom teacher versus you teach Miller High School. So you see 120 kids a yeah. day. Versus just being a specialist that sees every kid in the whole school. Sure. So it's a lot different. So I'll just speak from from uh, or through the lens of being a theater teacher for a minute. So it's it takes longer to establish those relationships because you don't have them for seven hours a day. Yeah. You might have them for two or three. So it, it sometimes it takes a couple of years until you have these kids that keep coming back and right. coming back and coming back. But I find like you really find your people. One of the things I really love in theater is finding a student that may not be in, um, doing air quotes academically successful. Mm-hmm. So it's maybe they don't do so great in reading and math, right. but boy, do they kick ass in boy, theater. Boy, are they creative. It's, yes. yes. That's why so, the arts are so freaking important. I mean, if you think about the number of kids that the arts keep from dropping out of school, because yeah. their strengths are not the classic academics right? But they are incredible artists. So they're incredible musicians. So they're incredible thespians and they need that outlet. That's what keeps them around. PE too. Um, mm-hmm. Those are all so important. So whenever I hear about budget cut, number one, when I hear about budget cuts, I automatically get my hackles up. But especially when they start cutting those programs, I'm like, you guys suck. I do work really hard to establish those genuine relationships, but I will say it's different. Yeah. It's a lot different than when I had my fourth grade class and I had my kids all day. Like by the third or fourth week, they're like, you know those kids and they know you. For sure. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's a lot different when you teach Way every different. single kid in the school. Yeah, my first job I had, I was middle school, so I just taught math. So I had, you know, 120 students and it was really hard. And I'm terrible at memorizing names. And I tell kids that up front. I'm like, I'm 
There's a part of my brain that doesn't work right, and that part of my brain is learning names. So if I say your name wrong, please correct me right away so that I can actually learn it, because I do want to know your name. I just think it's really disrespectful to not learn someone's name. But man, it is hard <laughs> to learn all those names. It's Especially if it's a school where they have to wear uniforms. Yes. I don't know why that makes it so well, much harder It is, for me. because I always do attributes like, oh, uh, green, green shoes kid, or, you know, mohawk kid, or mm-hmm. diamond earring kid, left ear. And then they come in the next day, and they if they're wearing something different, obviously, I've forgotten their yes. name. Or like, <laughs> long, pretty hair girl. And then the next day, she has it in a ponytail. And I'm like, where's long, pretty hair girl? Oh, it's in a ponytail. It's in a bun today. So, so bad. So bad at it. But once I know them, I'm pretty good. I actually ran into one of my very first students in a Target last year. And he recognized me. And he goes, Miss B? And I turned around and I saw this. He was a little scrawny sixth grader the last time I saw him. And now he's just like this tall grown man. I was like, oh my goodness, DeAndre, how are you? He goes, I can't believe you remember my name. And I was like, you remembered my name. You didn't call me Miss. (laughs) So I'm pretty (laughs) impressed by that. Okay, let's move on to number two. So number two uh, attribute for a great teacher is understand student needs. And this means developmentally and physically and as learners. This is one of those things where let's say that you used to be an accountant and you were an accountant for 25 years and you love math. And then maybe you retire from accounting and you just want want to get back into it. You're like, hey, I could be a math teacher. And then you start teaching math. Maybe you're not trained to understand where your students are developmentally and how they best learn. So even though you're great at your content area, you might not be a fantastic teacher. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's how most of the teachers in college are. <laughs> there you go. And by then they <laughs> figure true. it's a bunch of adults. They can learn. I'm going to, I'm going to do my job, right. but obviously like you're right. kind of on your own to learn stuff by the time you're in college. And um, that's not to say that those people cannot be fantastic teachers, but I have found from experience working with people like that, that they typically struggle more because they learn that, oh, it's not just teaching math or it's not just teaching history. Like I got to know how to manage children and I have to know how to. Yeah. I was actually at a, uh, at like a little mixer for my husband's office. I don't know, six, eight months ago, something Mm -hmm. like that. And someone had their children there and I was just sitting and chatting and we were coloring. And then someone else came up and was trying to make friends with this child. But the way that they were phrasing the questions were just so developmentally inappropriate that I was like, this four-year-old does Does not not know what you're saying at all. You're not, you're not asking, you're not asking the question in the right way. So yeah, I totally understand what you Yes. Or what you're saying. And then I remember like in high school, all of our uh, football coaches, they also had to teach, right? They're great coaches. Of course. But they got to teach to get to stay on staff. So they taught, they taught things like world history and algebra and religion. And I'm just going to say, maybe not the best teachers I've ever had. Entertaining? (laughs) Yes. Great targets for me and my bad friends when we were bored and we wanted to mess with a teacher. Absolutely. Did I learn and remember a lot of stuff? No. No. Great football coaches though. So yeah, you do what you got to do. Yeah. So I think I'm okay at this one, but it's something that I feel like you just always have to work for because new studies are coming yes. out. And this is, and this again, I think this one deals a lot with like IEPs and right. learning styles and every kid is totally so different. different. So it's something you just, you always have you to be do. conscious like of. You do, like you have your 
baselines for it is not developmentally appropriate for this five-year-old to be, you know, blending letter sounds into, you know, to be reading fluently. Can some five-year-olds do it? Absolutely. But when they're Mm -hmm. in kindergarten and pre-K, we should not be forcing children to read because that can be detrimental to their development and their ability to read later, right? Like that's a proven study. And you got to know that stuff. And I will also say that, so in college for education, I took a lot of, let's call them filler classes that (laughs) I've never used. But I think a great sort of side study for educators should be psychology. I feel like educators should have to take three or four child or developmental psychology Mm -hmm. courses to understand the science behind the development of children. I just think that would be a lot more helpful than say accounting or macroeconomics, which were two right. courses that I took, you know, art history, like very entertaining. Oh, I took art history. I yeah. don't use it a lot though. <laughs> Teaching it's not, it has not really served me. So I don't know. That's, that's my deal with that. Okay. So number three is great teachers are passionate about their work and the subject. To me, this is a non-negotiable. I agree with you. And I think I'm very passionate about it, even if it's not something that I'm choosing to teach. So like I had, I had a homeroom class mm-hmm. and you know, that's usually just like this 30 minutes right? Uh, when you're collecting money for things. Announcements and, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a basic study hall. And we had, a, uh, they had like a little character building workbook that they did also during this time. Yeah. And I'm not a character building expert, but they gave me a workbook and I thought of a way to make and it I'm gonna more teach entertaining for the shit out of this yeah. workbook, baby. Yes. Yeah. It's like I'm a theater teacher. All right, y'all done with the workbook? Let's get on our feet. We're gonna improv a we're scene. Gonna, we're gonna feel this life. <laughs> I completely agree. And so if you're, you know, if you have the choice, if you're teaching middle school or high school, and you can, or college, and you can kind of choose what you want to teach, that's that's one thing. But when you are a general self inclusive or self contained classroom in elementary school. Oh my God, I had to teach some boring, awful things that I still hate as an adult. And I can acknowledge the fact that, no, I have never used the skill as an adult, but I still have to teach it to you. And this is just how it is. But my kids, my kids can notice like, because I I also don't have a great poker face and I have had kids go, (laughs) Miss B, you don't like this, do you? And I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to be honest. This is not my favorite thing. We're going (laughs) to... We're going to push through and try to make it fun. It's like, but you know, I bet someone in here is really really good good at it it and interested. And I don't want to screw you out of an opportunity to shine. Right. So let's do this. Yeah, you've absolutely got to love it. And it's so obvious when you have an instructor who does not care about what they're teaching. Right. It's painful and it sucks. Okay. Number engaging or engaging and using Using best best practices. practices. I think I'm pretty engaging. Um, mm-hmm. I will sometimes refer to myself as an edutainer. Because <gasps> <Ooh>. <laughs> I'm like on. Yes. You know what I mean? When yes. you're on with the students. 100%. I've always, I've always wondered like how many calories does like standing in an empty room burn versus being in a classroom with students? Because it's like you're, it's like yes. you're in this ready you position are. the whole time. You are on. That's so true. And I also like, I feel like that's why at the end of the day, if you're a truly engaging teacher, you get home and you're just exhausted and you exhausted. don't want to talk to anybody because it ha- it's yes. like you're performing in a play for eight well, hours. It's like emotionally, yeah, yes. it's emotionally draining also. Not that like I'm crying in my car no. every night, but just being happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Because you want the kids to feel good and, and 
stuff like yeah. that. It's not just happy. That makes it sound like I'm no, just but, like. <laughs> but it's true. And I read an article about how teachers are making, you know, an average person makes a couple of hundred micro decisions all day long. Like, which right. road am I going to take to work? What shirt am I going to wear to work? What am I going to have for just little decisions we make all day, right? So we get decision fatigue. Well, teachers are making those for themselves plus their students all yes. day, every day. So that is why you hear about teachers just like losing their shit, having these teacher slumps like that super long month of October. And then mm-hmm. in spring, like February is super long, <gasps> like before spring oh, break, it's the worst. Until there's a holiday. Yes, yeah. it's so long because you don't have any time to like refresh your brain. But good teachers are going to be tired because because you're engaging your kids and then using best practices is a big one. So there was one article I read. I don't cite anything. I suck. I need to write that down. But there was an article I read while I was going through this list about how teachers have got to constantly be re-educating themselves. It's like doctors have to continue their education. You don't just get your med school degree and become a doctor. Yeah, you do your your CEs. Exactly. You have to keep doing your stuff. And yeah, we do PD every year, but if it's not focused PD on best practices, it can be, as we've talked about before, a total waste of time. And I feel like that falls on the shoulders of the administration of whatever the school is. Like they need to be either providing that PD or requiring, this is the kind of PD we want you to take. That's right. And a lot of schools just say, just, do just get some hours. hours. Yeah. Do anything. Get some out. Yeah. And that, that drives me nuts. So that's a, that's a leadership thing that I seriously have issues with. Okay. Oh, I want to hear about this next one. Effective goal setter and sets high yes. expectations. Okay. So this was one that came up on several lists and they, they spoke about it differently. What this boils down to is if you are a teacher who phones it in, or if your students can tell that you don't think they're going to do well and that you're lowering the bar, they will live up to that expectation. So a quality teacher sets the bar really high, usually above what the kid's what you really think the kids can achieve. And then you help them figure out how to set goals to get there. So you don't expect them to be there right away, but also you, you model for them how to celebrate their many accomplishments and get there. Like for me, the way I, cause I read this and I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense. Cause I'm kind of a hard ass elementary school Mm -hmm. teacher. And I do set really high expectations and I expect the kids to meet them. So for a lot of parents, because I taught third grade and first and second are still training wheel grades. Yes, and then third grade much. is that first year where you have to read and learn from what you're reading right away. And you have to be able to apply it and you have to be just much, much more independent. So I have a lot of high expectations like right out of the gate. And I tell the parents at the beginning of the year, like, hey, guys, if your kid has been an AB student in first and second grade, they might not still be an AB student in third grade. Doesn't mean they're doing bad. Doesn't mean they're dumb. It just means that they are learning to become independent scholars. And if you trust me, I'm going to get them there. So what I would do is before, usually like a week or two after progress reports would go out, I would print out individual grade reports for all of my students. And I would have many conferences with them and sit down and be like, okay, so this is where we were last nine weeks. And look, you had a C last nine weeks. Right now you have a B. And if you'll notice, these grades on your journals have been going up consistently. Like, what what are you doing differently to make that better? And the kids are like, oh, oh, yeah, this is cool. You just have to show them how to, you know, shoot for better things and to, sh- to show them that they're growing. Like, nobody's perfect yet, right? But I don't just celebrate, like, the kids who get straight A's. I celebrate, like, you started at the C and now you're at a B. That's huge. And how can we keep going? 
That's fantastic. Anything I say after that's going to be lame. Say it. I want to hear it. <laughs> um, I So I usually have to do a, uh, like a professional learning target, mm-hmm. you know, professional learning goal, something like BLT. that. And you have, you, you have a, and you have a, <laughs> and you have a student learning target. Uh-huh. So I'll usually just do it with a handful of my classes because mm-hmm. they don't expect you to do it for 150, 150 students. You can't. And mine's... It's weird when you have a when performance is is what the class is all about. Well, it's so it's subjective, in, like yes. So I try to be. I try to do it based on things that even if you are a kid that does not ever want to be on the stage, mm-hmm. that you're fine. So my my sixth graders when I taught middle school, they did a monologue at the beginning of the year that was just a participation grade, but I graded it like a hard ass. The kids yeah. did not see these grades. Just so you can this know. This was just so I could, yeah, yeah. So I did, you know, I had a rubric for their actual acting. Mm-hmm. So they had a monologue at the beginning of the year and a monologue at the end of the year. And then I also had a vocabulary test. Okay. So they had like 75 or 100 vocabulary words at the beginning of the year. They didn't know most of them. Of course. And then I give them the same test at the end of the year after they've done like a word of the day. Yes. Uh, and you've used and then, it in instruction and they're... Exactly. Yeah, they've and lived it. parts of it, parts of it are, yes, just that boring vocabulary test, but other parts are, all right, I want you to pick three games we've learned in theater over the year or explain how to play the games mm-hmm. and explain why we played them and you can't just say to warm up like what is is the the reason for playing this game because when i was starting to be a theater teacher is when that light bulb clicked for me with all the stuff i did in high school i was like that is why my teacher taught us that because it helps with articulation or it helps us to connect with our scene partner but because she never verbalized it in class i just thought it was silly shit we did exactly well, I think for your content area, that makes complete sense. And I think that is that is something that a good teacher does is they mm-hmm. let the kids in on the recipe, right? Like, why are we doing yes. this? This is why we're doing it. It's not just, it is a stupid fun game, but also this is like, there's a reason the muscle that you're flexing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm big on telling the kids why we do stuff, especially the things Absolutely. that seem totally useless, like useless. I'm not going to say useless grammar skills, but like diagramming a sentence we're both rolling our eyes i'm not a fan (laughs) we're both rolling our eyes not a super useful skill and i will tell the kids like can i tell you something never in your life will you be required to diagram a sentence as an adult but we're doing it now because it's helping you build up your muscles of just knowing how words fit into sentences so that when you're writing your writing is that much stronger sometimes i would make stuff up Cause I don't know why we teach it. We just have to, (laughs) and I'll make stuff up, but I want to give them a reason to, for everything that we do. Okay. Number six is the thing that I am by far the worst at. And this is being organized, being organized. Uh, uh, (sighs) I, I'm, I'm not super great at it either. And I can't decide if it's just because I prioritize things that are more beneficial to the students. Yeah. I want, I'm going to say that's the reason. Yeah. Um, but also if you, look at my husband's desk and my desk. <laughs> you can tell who sits his, where. Like, yes, his has his keyboard, his monitor, his little bobblehead. His little and spray like one other thing. to get all the dirt out of his keyboard. And meanwhile, you've got like peanut butter spread on your mouth. I have like... so much stuff. Yeah. I will, I will sometime in the near future, 
put up a side by side photo on That's our hilarious. Instagram. Because I, I could do that too. Just guess, guess which guess desk is ours. Um, but I'm sure there's some brain scientist somewhere that would explain why it is beneficial for me because I am thinking of stuff constantly. Yes. There is constant stuff yeah. going on in my brain, and I know where everything is. I just don't have don't want to waste to have, the energy put in a little drawer in a pretty file <laughs> yes. folder. I just I don't have. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the same way. However, I don't always know where everything is. And so yeah. I would use my personal disorganization. I use it as a teaching tool for my students all the time. I'll, I have a habit of like, I'll have my copies ready of whatever the kids need to do independently. And I'll put it on the stool right next to me so I can deliver the lesson and then it'll be ready to go. Well, while I teach, I have a habit of walking all around and getting up in people's business and you know, whatever it is. And then I understand. by the time it's time to start, I'm like, where are my papers? Everyone from where you're sitting, look for a stack of papers with a yellow binder clip on it and <laughs> point to it when you find it. And I'll joke and I'll be like, Mrs. has ADHD. So she has a really hard time. Staying. Oh, you said I your did name. say my Gotta name. cut it out. Bleep me. Bleep it's it. fine. I'm going to bleep it out. Okay. Miss B has a really hard time because she has ADHD disguising yeah. her name, number one. And number two, like knowing where her things are. And I'm like, this is something I've had to fight all my life. And, you know, clearly I'm still working on it because there's a lot of kids who just are there also their desks. You look at their desks and it's a disgusting nightmare. And I can't like I'll tell them like this is real bad. You need to clean it up. And then they'll look at my desk and I'm like, and I will clean mine up, too, because <laughs> I can barely sit down at it because that's where, like, I'll keep the rest of my classroom very neat and clean and I make the kids pick up after themselves. But my yes. personal area, I throw, I just throw stuff over there during the day. Can I give I'm you teaching. a tip? Please. Because I was the Help same me. and I still, I'm still a hot mess, but this helped me a lot. One of them is kind of embarrassing. You probably won't I can't want to wait. do it. I started wearing a fanny pack <gasps> in my classroom. I don't think I will. Because <laughs> lady pants, okay, so like lady pants never have Useful pockets, pockets in them. No. Or they're not big enough. So I had like pencils. I could stick my phone. I had like yeah. dry erase markers. Was, I could I get like an artist awful. apron or like a Nerf bullet I'd, vest. Or like one of those aprons like they wear at Home yeah. Depot that has all the, I, I thought about doing that That's too, but at idea. some point. A fanny pack was easier. So that's the embarrassing that's one. Hilarious. The one that really changed my life was I got a bunch of those command hooks, yes. you know, just like the little uh -huh. hooks. I put them everywhere and then I bought a million clipboards mm -hmm. and I would just stick all the papers up there. Smart. So that's like where all the stuff. Them. Mm. That's so So smart. it helped keep my desk not so gross. I would still walk around with a stack of copies and then set them down. And then on the floor under a table because a child crawled under a table. Yes. Yeah. And I put them in the dumbest 100 places. 100% have done that. Yeah, that's definitely. But the clipboards, that's clipboards a really were good a idea. game changer. And I could, like, visualizing stuff really helps yes. me. I don't Same like doing stacks days. of papers because I can't, I can't. Oh, stacks are the worst. And you know what? I think the reason our brains work this way, because you and I are similar and our brains are constantly going. Mm -hmm. I think it is a touch of ADHD. I, I have been diagnosed yes, with it, so 100%. I know it is. But also, I feel like it's because we are creative-minded people, and we're constantly yeah. thinking of bigger, better ways, and we don't have yes. time to finish one thing <laughs> to start yeah. doing the next one. So, I mean, my whole life is unfinished projects and half-assed things that I haven't had time to whole-ass, <laughs> but I think it's just because we're so damn creative. So Yeah, and it's, it is one of the reasons I think I'm a really good 
director is because mm-hmm. I'm constant, like I'm obsessing over whatever show we're wa- yes. working on. It doesn't that matter what's ADHD going on. Hyper-focus. The the show is still running Totes, in the back of my mind. Goats. And yeah. then I don't know if you do this, but I do. So last year I bought like a seventy dollar Erin Condren planner because that's like the oh, teacher. We planner. can't anymore. She did something really bad. Did she? she got is canceled. she a racist? Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I'm not. It's 2020 anyway. They, like her. Her her twin girls, I think, were pretend uh, were graduating high school. I think they're twins. Uh-huh. Maybe it was boy girl twins. Um, and they pretended to have a Black Lives Matter rally so that they could have a graduation party. Wait, what? They pretended it was a Black Lives Matter rally, but in actuality, on, they were just having a senior Read graduation the room. party. So we're not supposed to buy those planners, but they are great planners. They're great planners. So (laughs) I didn't use a single part of that planner all year long, except for two pages. Oh (laughs) no, two pages where I recorded my students' progress on their memorization of their math facts, but everything else was blank. So it was the biggest waste ever because I can also do that in a notebook. I use the post-it note writing notes to self, and also the writing on my hand in ink. And there was a teacher. at my current school who has fussed me in front of students for writing on my hand because she's always like making them sit, she'll give them conduct marks for writing on their skin. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't have anything to write on. I use the reminder thing on my phone like crazy. Yeah. I'll just like set a reminder in 45 minutes to get your copies off the copy machine because I forget as soon as something totally. shinier comes along, oh, yeah. and then you're that's in class and you're like, shit. I know exactly where my yeah. stack of papers is, and it's not yep. in this room. So number six is just... <laughs> right to send a child on a hunt for something. Totally. And you're like, no, Jaden, look at me. So you're going to go this way past the office. Just tell Miss Mejia it's okay. You're going to get my copies. Go next to the copy machine with the big refrigerator, not, not the, the little, little refrigerator. And they come back like six minutes later. Like, Miss, I couldn't. I don't find know. They're crying a little bit because they just got lost. You're like, never mind. It's fine. It's fine. Everybody just write. I've your ar- we've already moved on. Right notes on your hands. All right, all right, all right. Where are we? So, oh, I don't know. Excellent communicator. Yeah, I feel like we both have this pretty strong except for yeah. I'll get off on tangents very easily especially when we're doing like social studies or science I'll I will dig deep into like did you guys know my favorite one to do <laughs> is when we're studying um echolocation in animals and I'll tell them oh. about that boy Ben something or other who uses echolocation like a yes I know blind. exactly who you're talking it's, about and then I'll, I'll be like hold on let me find it on YouTube let's let watch put it the on, video pulled up and so I'm, I'm the worst, but uh, it's fun. <laughs> I feel like they yeah, enjoy yeah. that. I feel like they're like, oh, I think that's so too. really cool. Yeah, we're great communicators. Good job. I feel like this is a big one also with parents. Like if you mm-hmm. want parents on your team, you have got mm-hmm. to be real clear and straightforward in your communications with them and make it clear yes. to them like, hey, you and I are on a team together for your kid. Like it's not me versus you against your kid. It's like you and I are, are buddies and we're going to take care of your kid together. And so And if you're if you're a new teacher at the beginning of the year before you get all burnt out, make it a point to contact each parent at least a couple mm-hmm. times with a compliment. Yes. You don't want the first time they no. hear from you to be because they won't stop rolling on the floor. Right. And as a result of that, they got their braces stuck in the carpet. <laughs> and now where are we? <laughs> 
So that's why he accidentally got walked on is because... <laughs> I didn't step on his fingers on purpose. It was an accident, but his face was attached to the floor at, the, at that point in time. <laughs> These are true things that happen in the classroom. Yep. Friends. True things. Um, if, and especially if you can quickly identify like, oh, this this one is going to be tough. Like, these are my tough kids. Yes, if you can, and you will. You will. If you can send home a little note or an email like... Michael did such a great job of just walking in a line today. I was just so impressed with how much self-control. Just something stupid. Even if you have to kind of make it up or flub it. Yeah. or Because they're used to hearing terrible shit about their kid. Yes. And I love to um, send kids who have a lot of energy on errands Mm -hmm. for me. So even if you just send home a note saying like, oh, yeah, Timmy is, he's Johnny on the spot when I need to get a note right to whatever teacher yes. down the hall. So we had um we had a system at our school where we had like a green folder and we would put nothing inside the green folder, but if we saw a kid about to lose their shit, the policy was like you can be like, "Hey, hey, Vanessa, come see. Will you please run this folder down to Miss H and whatever teacher's the farthest away and just have her sign whatever's on the inside and bring it back to me. Uh-huh. And then let them go on a journey. And the other teacher knows to be like, oh, yeah, okay. And sign it and send it just to get them the I have such a, a similar minute. story. So they don't teach cursive in school anymore. Oh, <laughs> so no. one of my favorite teachers, uh, she taught upstairs in fourth grade, would send this. Sometimes it was a, a few different kids, but this one mm-hmm. this one boy often, especially if it was rainy and they didn't get recess. Yes. And it would be written like in beautiful cursive letter. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Vanessa's having a really tough time today. Can you just look at this note for a minute and then sign it on the bottom <laughs> and then send her to another teacher? <laughs> Can you guys just collect five signatures and then yes yes oh god bless it was so i'm so glad that there you know uh, the green folder sounds great though you to have, have something that's official yeah and that the teacher can see coming right that's and fantastic they just, they just know that it's gonna come but it's i feel like our generation of teachers has gotten better at little tricks like that for those kids who typically are constantly in trouble and they cannot help themselves they can't stand still, they, man. They can't do it. They can't control the mouth noises that they're making. Last year, I had like six kids in my class who were hummers. And it drove me insane. I could not handle it. So I would have to be like, hey, guys, everybody, stick your two fingers up in the air really high. And then it would be like, put them on your throat. Are your fingers tickling? That means you're humming. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> like, But they didn't know because I would say, stop humming, stop humming. I would tap their desk. I'm not humming. I'm like, you are. You are humming right now. And they just, they don't know. God bless. Here's yeah, the green they folder. Can't help go, it. Oh, green folder. Go down the hall. So yeah, you gotta, anyway, that was all about excellent communication. Okay. Ocho, you gotta be adaptable and flexible and willing to change. Yes. Willing to admit, hey, I messed up or this is a bad idea or this lesson clearly will not be effective and completely deviate from your lesson and fix it. Do whatever you need to do. Even if that might be like, you don't know how to fix it, just not doing it that day and just being like, you know what? We're going to shelf this topic and we're going to do 10 minutes of everybody drop everything and read, you know, just give somebody, (laughs) give yourself a refresher and give them a refresh. I also implement, I I try to put the blame on me. Mm -hmm. If the whole class is not paying attention instead of just like, of course I change quickly, but I tell the students, I say, you know what? 
Miss W did not come up with a good lesson yeah. is obviously bad because nobody's paying <laughs> exactly. attention. Exactly. We're going to move And on. the kids will just be like, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> and you're like, no, you don't need to tell me because I just told else. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just accept that knowledge quietly. And then yeah, but they on. know that I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt them into being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just like, you know what? This is not a great thumbs lesson. down. I'm also not having This fun. is awful. Yeah. Let's do something else. That's fabulous. Yeah. And I feel like... And we said a few episodes ago, take an improv class. Yeah. Oh, my God. It helps it's, so much. Freeze your brain. Yeah. It just lets you loosen up. Allows you to let that stuff go. Yes. So I can think of two teachers that I've worked with specifically who've been teaching for a few decades. They're great educators. However, they are not flexible at all. It's always the student's fault if something didn't go wrong. Like if they get test mm -hmm. results back and everybody failed it, it's not because it wasn't taught well. It's because, well, they're just, they're dumb. I just got a bad crop this year. I just got a bad year. crop yeah. or it's because Brenna always starts talking and then the whole lesson derails or whatever it is. So if you're not willing to look at what you're doing, like if you're, if you're having a really bad year, yes, there are, there are extremely difficult teaching situations and I'm the first to admit that. And sometimes it's extremely hard to feel like you're successful ever, just depending on, you know, your situation. But if you're at a pretty, pretty good school and nobody else really seems to be struggling, but you're, you're, you keep having all the bad classes and all the bad kids are always yep. in your class, maybe it's time to just do some inner reflection and how, you know, do you have kids who need a green folder experience? Yeah. Do you have kids who need to move around more in the lesson? Are you talking too much? You know, like, what is what is it that you could improve on? And if you're not willing to do that, maybe it's time to retire because, like, it's it's really it's really tough to do your job and feel miserable all the time. And I feel like that's one of the main reasons teachers can feel miserable. And I think that goes right into number nine, which is being self reflective and taking mm -hmm. constructive criticism mm -hmm. and continuing to learn. Continue to learn. So this is also. Yeah, that was a really good segue that we set up on purpose from eight to nine. Right. <laughs> I just did a little she segue motion segue. you could not see. Oh my, I read an article. We have so many segue stories. So We really do have a lot. Let's do an episode about our segue stories. I'm just segue adventures. <laughs> okay. But I read an article today, total non sequitur, that Segway is stopping production of their segues. So I don't know what we're no! going to do the next time we travel to a no! city that we want to see. What are we Does do? it mean we could get one for a discount? Damn, I hope so. I will check so it on to every flight we go on, and we'll make our own Segway tours. Yes, we will. Oh, mm. that makes me so sad. I know. I'm hoping that other companies will. Okay, so anyway. Okay, yes, nine, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> be self-reflective. Continue to learn. So um, we've talked about PD already, and how when it's a bad PD, we all sit in there and goofy dig around and yes, laugh and jack around. But sometimes. Even if you have been teaching for a few decades, PD is useful. And maybe they're saying something you've already heard a thousand times, but maybe you should like implement it. Because if you've heard it a thousand times, maybe it's something that is a best practice that you should be right. implementing in your thing. So that is that is one of my pet peeves. Is that a good PD when you have jaded teachers who are over having to be at, at school beyond hours or they're on their you know right. MLK day or whatever? who are sitting over there pissed off and not listening. And I'm like, this is a really good one. Like we should all be doing this one. That's just a pet peeve. All right. Number 10. Number 10. Last one. You got to be a classroom class, manager. Got to be a classroom manager. How are, what is your, what is your classroom management take? 
I think that I have really excellent classroom management, but if someone who was not familiar with me walked into my room, they might think it was a circus. <laughs> I completely understand. Because that. I really, I, I really try to do what I think is best for that student. So if it means letting them do their work underneath a table uh-huh. with stuff stacked all around them because they just want to be by themselves. Yes, and I let them do it. Yeah, I completely let them do it. I will almost never tell a child no when they say, Miss W, can I do it this way instead? Mm-hmm. Unless I have like a really great, great reason, reason yeah. for them to not do. I, I will almost always let them do it uh, the way that they think, as long as it's, the, as long as the objective is being met. Right. I Like there are, like, of course we have like assigned seating and they know all the procedures, but once they're in the project, whatever it is, I do a lot more project-based stuff sure. because it's theater. Once they're in it, I Let give them a lot, I give them a lot of space for sure. Yeah. I agree with you on, on that one. I'm also very loosey-goosey as far as... <laughs> where kids do their work because obviously we have desks in our classroom. So I have Mm -hmm. kids come sit on the floor right around me like little geese. And I have this big rolling whiteboard where I typically do like a little mini lesson or I'll sit down and like Mm -hmm. read a story to them and teach whatever I need to do. And then I'll give them the list of like, these are the five things that we need to accomplish today. You may do them in any order you want to. You can get a clipboard and go wherever you need to go. My only rule is- I love clipboards. Oh my God, they're the best. My only rule, like I have to train them at the beginning of the year that you can go anywhere you want means as a scholar, you can go anywhere you want. So I want to go sit next to my best friend, Bethany, but I know that if I sit next to Bethany, we're not going to get our work done. So maybe I'll go sit over here instead on this comfy cushion in the corner. Although right. we can't do cushions anymore because COVID. Um, I know. So training them. To actually do that is tough, but I can usually kind of break it within a, a couple of months by stopping by and being like, you know what I notice is that we've been working for 10 minutes and you've done one thing. So do you think that's the that's the best pace that you can move at? And usually they'll be honest and they won't be sassy. And I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not sarcastic with them. And I'm like, so do you think this is a good spot for you to be learning with? Or do you think there's a bet there's a better choice that you could be making? And I let them say like I shouldn't be sitting next to my best friend I'm like great what can you do to fix that choice so I'm very about turning everything into a choice a choice you tell me what's going on right here you tell me if it's a good decision or not and if it's not you tell me how you're going to fix it and then I'll be like how can I support you how can I help you what tools can I get you to help you be successful that works with most kids there's always a couple where we are struggling with issues that we just can't we can't have that kind of responsibility so instead I'll be like hey, I'm going to bring a cushion over to you so you can sit under your own desk and do your work. So I still let them do whatever it is, but you right. can't go and sit across the room because then you're going to bite somebody. So you're just going to yeah, sit under there are some students that do not get to sit on the rug at circle time right. because we know what, because they can't we keep know, them there. And I have right. one, I had one like that last year and he just really, he really could not sit still. And when he was sitting, he couldn't not touch other people because of the age that he was, his friends were starting to make up rules to games that would get him out real quick because they were afraid that oh. it was so sad, but like they would be playing tag and he would come in full body tackle them and they would get hurt. Instead of being like, you can't play with us, they would make up a rule that if you run out of this boundary, then you're out because they knew that he always ran out. And then he thought he was being bullied. And I was like, well, they're they're setting, they're trying to set boundaries without hurting your feelings. But how do you explain that to an eight-year-old kid? Right. You know, instead of sitting with us on the carpet, I would let him pace back and forth 
like around the classroom and he could still participate. He would talk to us in the conversation, but he was just like moving around in the back. And then also teaching the kids that sometimes some kids get to do things that you don't get to do, but it's because that's what they need. I'm going to let you do things that you need to do. I'm going to let other people do different things and you might not need the same things and that's okay. Right. I typically don't have any like big issues. Yeah. I had a first grader like that, that came in mid year. I cannot remember his name. Uh, Maybe it was second grade, but anyway, he could not sit still Mm -hmm. during the instructions. Like we would generally have, a little circle time where they would get to share. I'd I'd give some general definition and then the the theater games or like the the little imaginative like play things we were doing had to do with that. But he could not keep his body still and he couldn't help but touch stuff. Sure. So I would literally, while I'm giving everyone else instructions and while they're sitting No, he would hold both my hands and he would just like swing, swing back, back and forth. forth. And then like he'd walk around me and uh-huh. I would just keep talking just keep while this little boy is like, I'm like this <gasps> merry-go-round that he's just spinning all around. And Whatever. you know what? It was like, is like, this is his break for the day. Totally. If he needs to move around, I'm not going to be a hard ass that's no. like, no, we are learning pantomime it today, young man. It doesn't do any good. And I, right. it, it doesn't do any good. So... That's that's also a hard thing because sometimes it does look like complete chaos in your room if you do have a right. lot of bouncy little people, but you just have to trust that whoever walks in there will understand what you're doing right. when you right. when you do that. The hard part is when it, whatever they're doing to soothe themselves bothers other kids. That's the hard part because then yeah. you have to like figure out where can you stand so that people can't see you full body like doing the Russian leg dance right. in the background because that's what you need to do because <laughs> I've had stuff like that before. Okay, so those are those are our ten tips for being. It's a great list. It's a great. Thanks for getting that together. It's a great list. Thanks, thanks, thank you, Google. Um, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what my <laughs> students do when they write their bibliography and cite Google as my source. It's like Google number one, YouTube number two. Those are the two sources we use. Oh my goodness! All right, I think it's time for teaching Let's tips. Let's do it. All right, what's yours? Mine is get a laminator. Ooh. I love my laminator so, so much. I love the smell it's... of a laminator. Yeah, and they're they're not that expensive. If you go to like a big box store like like Costco or something, yeah. you can sometimes find them for twenty five bucks. If you get it on Amazon, it might be as much as thirty or thirty two dollars. Mm-hmm. Just I just I've never worked at a school where the laminator either isn't broken worked. or isn't out of the, the laminating sheets. Yes, I know. Oh, I love. And laminator. it makes life. It just makes life a lot easier. I don't know if it was. If it was bigger for me because I was teaching 25 classes a week, Mm -hmm. but even just so like when I do instructions, I try to have them on the board. I say them out loud and I'll give the students a copy of whatever they are. So I'll just repeat them a couple times, a like index cards size piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And then once they're in their groups, I just need five or six copies of it and it'll last me the whole week. Perfect. I love my laminators. Oh, I love it. It's such so, a great I miss investment. laminating things. And then if you're an yeah. organized person and you put those things into like a labeled file folder and you know where to mm-hmm. get it the next year, I'm really good at storing them that way. And then the next year I completely forget Just that I ever did it. Just making new ones. Make new ones. And then at the end of the year, I'm like, damn it, I've got four copies of this thing. That's <laughs> number six that I'm working on. So my teaching tip is, and this ties into the top 10 tips or the top 10 attributes, is to pick one good professional development book to read over the summer. 
Because you you've got a lot of downtime during the summer. And you can reflect we have to reflect on yourselves. There's one called, Oh, I'm looking at the cover in my head. It's got trees on it and it's called over on onward. Nope. That's the title of a Pixar movie. I'll look it up for next time. But it's <laughs> okay. a really good book to keep you from burning out during the school year. So it's like a month by month. Okay. You only read one little short chapter oh. for that particular month of the year. So the beginning of the school year, like oh, I love August, it gives you tips on how to manage your, your excitement and to focus in on what do I need to do to get ready October, it teaches you how to deal with that long fall slump and how yeah. to keep yourself going. In December, January, it talks about how you can regroup. It's a really great book, and it's got like little journey, journaling pages in there. So I'll oh yeah, I'll look that up and see what that, that is. is. Another one that's great is Carol Dweck, Growth Mindset. Such Lo- I'm gonna a re-listen. Uh, yeah, it's I'm gonna a, get the audio yeah, book and re-listen audio. to it. If you don't want to have the book, um, and sometimes it helps to it helps to hear somebody saying the words out loud. Mm-hmm. So that's a great one. And then another really good one is um, the Daily Five. It's a classroom management system, but also like a method to set up how you do your instruction. And it's really good for putting in all the best practices of teaching. So if you want to be mm-hmm. able to do guided reading well, if you want to be able to do um, math instruction well, pretty much any subject, it's it's just a really good um, setup. So I would recommend, those are three that I really like, and I'll probably read them again this summer. Okay. Uh, all we... right, scream into the parking lot. Before we scream in the parking lot, can I say oh, that yes. we did a really good job of being super positive this time? We did. We barely we're complained. So Man, we're good at this. <laughs> Now let's complain. Now let's complain. Now that we <laughs> reward ourselves with some yes, complaints. Yes, let's bitch about stuff. Why don't you go first? My screaming in the parking lot is being boxed into vacations. Oh, so, yeah. So, yeah, I don't like that you don't, my last school system I worked in, you only got one personal day. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, so like, like my cousin was getting married. I either had to lie and pretend to be sick or risk my principal telling me I couldn't go and just taking a day off and not getting paid. I've never gotten anywhere close to using my sick days for the year. Yes. And they always like, they always like blacklist the days at the end of the year where you want to take them so that you can't. And I wouldn't want to miss the very end of the year anyway, but I'm the same way. And we can't bank our days, which sucks. Gross. Yeah. Of course, I love being off on vacations and stuff like that, but it also kind of stinks that I couldn't go to Disney World in uh, the middle of, I don't know, January when it's not going to be crowded because yeah. there's no vacation. And it then. won't be a thousand or million Or I have degrees. to lie. I wish mm-hmm. you could actually take a vacation during the school year without having to lie about it. Yes. And then also, <laughs> but then also you have to have like super detailed lesson plans for for however long the vacation. Yeah, and we've already course. talked about how much that sucks so much. My screaming in the parking lot is the the way that teachers are paid and how hard it is to fire real bad teachers. It yeah. Nothing pisses me off more than... So when I sign a contract to teach and I get my like tiny incremental raise every year, right. and then you look at the scale and you see, you know, you're thinking of two specific teachers who need to not... <gasps> they should never have been teachers because they hate children they hate their job. They don't do anything admin asks them to do, but they've been teaching forever. So they're just still there and you can't fire them unless they're caught doing something bad with a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you, or stealing. That's it. It's, yeah. But it has to be stealing something big, like walking out of the, yeah. with the Promethean board thing with them. Right. <laughs> so, 
and then looking at that pay scale and seeing like, man, she's she's making forty thousand dollars a year more than I am, and gonna, she doesn't do yeah. fucking anything. Oh God, that pisses me off. We had we had a teacher at a school I taught at once upon a time. That's as detailed as I'll go. <laughs> I thought this person was a paraprofessional, <gasps> but it was someone who was getting like ninety thousand no. dollars a year to be an assistant in a kindergarten room because Shut they couldn't fire this up. person, but also they couldn't be trusted to be a teacher. That's Isn't horse that nuts? Shit. That's absolutely Maybe it wasn't nuts. 90. Maybe it was like 75. But it was but way still. more than I made. And it just like, I was floored. Yeah. It just, absolutely floored. It's the dumbest. Po- like, how many other professions do you just based on how long you've been there and maybe I'm uneducated and we'll get a bunch of emails about it. I don't know. But I think especially in teaching that is complete horseshit. Mm-hmm. Although I will say that you also can't like judge that on test scores, which is typically how like I, the first time yeah. I had a job, we would get bonuses if we yeah, had this I got a bonus growth in our test scores. And so that was a big motivation, but also there was somebody on my team who didn't fucking do anything and she got the same bonus we did because our whole grade level went up right and what we did was before the test we kind of broke down the objectives and each of us took a different one and we were like we'll give her this one because she can't screw this up this this is like the easiest right and then you know we all did our other thing to get the score up but she also that same teacher was literally teaching a skill completely wrong it was like greatest common factor or something and she was actually Mm -hmm. teaching them least common multiple and we tried to point this out to her and she's like i've been doing this for 30 years and this is i've always taught it this way and we're like it is incorrect you but then you've always taught it wrong you've always taught it wrong and i don't think that's true i think that you got them mixed up in your brain because your borderline like (laughs) brain not there so much and oh my god it pissed me off and yeah she's making two and a half times as much as i am i'm like you in the parking lot like as soon as the last bus leaves they're burning rubber to get out of there Mm -hmm. god that pisses me off Oh, that makes me mad, too. That's the first time I've talked about something on this podcast and been a little like, uh-oh, somebody's <laughs> going to hear what I just said, and they're going to know. I've never had a conversation with them about it, but they know and who I'm talking about. You know who you are. And if you're listening to this and your butthole gets a little bit tight because you think that we're talking about you, <laughs> you're part of the problem, and I hate you. <laughs> with that being said... Um, let's, uh, man, being a teacher, let's it. do some all worth it. Let's close it out with a happy. I didn't actually write one down. So you do one. I'm going to think of one real quick. I do. All right. You think of one. Uh, mine is kind of silly. And if you still haven't thought of one, I'm going to tell a, a, a little silly story. Okay. Um, I love office supplies and school supplies Ew, so much. Yes. <laughs> like a brand new notebook. Is that why I started teaching? Uh, maybe. maybe I, I just know. really like pencils and notebooks. <laughs> um, so once of, of course, once we're actually teaching kids, I imagine imagine these all worth it moments will be a lot of oh Vanessa did something one sure. oh she carried she carried that green folder yeah, so well but we haven't today. seen a child in nine months so what are you gonna well do? so there's this little boy that lives across the street he's probably three and a half if I had to guess and I sit on my front porch a lot and he, the other day he he walked out like with determination uh-huh. dragging a little potty behind him <laughs> On the front porch, so he's 25 yards away from me, something like, probably less than that. I don't know, however long across the street is. So he just drops trowel, sits on the potty, does his business, pulls up his pants, and then drags the potty back (laughs) in the house. Where are his parents? They were inside. 
been like peering out the blinds, just making sure nobody no, snatches him. I don't think they knew. That's hilarious. We also live on like a like really little quiet yeah. street, and of course everybody's stuck and you in their watching, houses. So if somebody, but also all the neighbors. Gone, so, yeah. Oh my god! That's but oh so my god! Funny. But his poor mom for the spray tt all over the entryway to the house because he's dragging this dragging it sloshing his pee-pee. that's adorable oh it was oh, so man. stinking cute that was super stinking oh. cute so um as you were talking about this little child i started thinking so i'm at home with my five-year-old daughter all the time who finished pre-k kind of because we went to distance kind learning. of <laughs> yeah she even though she's very smart she would put up the biggest fight every day after I was done teaching my classes and helping my third grade son do his stuff. I would try to help her. I'd be like, hey, Miss Miss Kimball wants you to watch this video of ants. And she's like, nah, just full meltdown. I'm like, you know what? Never mind. We're, you're done with pre-K. Yeah. So, yeah. but she wanted to play school yesterday and she wanted to be the teacher and I was the student. So she had me sit up on her bed and she's like, now it's time for math. <laughs> what are you going to do for math? Mommy, what do you do for math? And she wanted me to tell her how I would make my students do math. And I'd be like, oh, we're going to start with fast facts. She's like, okay, mommy, do your fast facts. I mean, student, do your fast facts. And just her like being a teacher cracked me up. And then she made me take a nap time. And she told me to lay down and close my eyes. And then she just started patting my back. And she goes, this is what good teachers do when the little ones can't get to sleep. <laughs> and I was just like, that's so, so cute. cute. It just made me just... Remember that kids really do love their teachers, especially little ones. Mm-hmm. Like, you think about all the kids who love playing school. That means that we're all doing something right. So, right. Because they wouldn't want to go home and play school if we were all terrible. So, most of us, good job. Yeah. The rest of most you. Most of us. I still hate you. <laughs> and with that, um, I'm sure you have a lot of comments about this. We would love to hear if you feel like we've left out any attributes of great teachers. So if you have a BS in education, please email us at bsineducation2020 at gmail.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at bsineducation. You can give us a call, a ring-a-ding on your phone at 234-73-TEACH. You can actually scream into the parking lot. And if you give us permission and we can figure it out, we can put you into the yeah, podcast. Yeah, we'll play it. Ms. W will I can figure, figure it out. out. Ms. B is not going to figure out. Miss W can figure it out. <laughs> um, and if you are enjoying our podcast, please let us know by subscribing and liking it and giving it five stars and telling your friends and stuff. And if you give us a five-star review and you send us like a screenshot or something of that, we will send you something cool in the mail. We will. So much fun. All right. This has been a BS in education. Class is ended. Time to go. Pick up your crayons off the floor. Class is ended. Time to go. I don't want to see your face no more. Thank you for listening to ABS in education. My tummy hurts. <laughs>